You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On NFL. It's Thursday and we have a great show for you today. Patricia Trena. The Locked On Giants coverage is starting to increase, and we're going to get deep into the details about where this franchise is and where it's going as often as we can. We have some news coming right now out of San Francisco. I think this is going to be a fun one. I'm Ryan Tracy, and this is Jake Lisko. How are you, Jake? I'm doing well, man. I've been double inoculated against the COVID-19 virus, so I'm feeling the effects a little bit today. But outside of that, my my outlook is very positive, and the Giants have a very positive outlook for Daniel Jones. I'm not sure if you and I share that, but we'll talk with Patricia about that a little bit later. The San Francisco news you mentioned, though, Ryan, is something that I think is a little bit more relatable than perhaps a very bullish perspective on Daniel Jones. And they've made Fred Warner the highest paid linebacker in football in a very big way. Yeah, not uh, a half measure by any means. What is it? Five years, ninety-five million, uh, forty-point-five guaranteed. This is this is a monster deal. And when you take a look at the evolution of this player over the last couple of seasons, got a lot of praise uh, in twenty nineteen. Came up just short in that Super Bowl, but really performed well. And yet, I think stepped it up a little bit more in 2020 amidst all the COVID things. If you haven't seen how athletic he is in his training regimen, go watch Miss Martial Arts with Fred Warner. It is entertaining, and quite frankly, it scares you a little bit because you don't quite see that on the field, but you know it's underneath. So I think the athleticism that he displays is really at the core of what his game has become. Coverage, uh, sideline to sideline, what, 90-plus tackles in 2020. Uh, I think this is well-deserved, and it really changes the market for what modern day linebackers are and what they're going to get compensated as. I didn't know that he had a martial arts background, but I, I mean, it does make a whole lot of sense. He is now, as we mentioned, the top paid linebacker in football, that contract, massive, massive guarantees, not actually the most guarantees in the NFL for a currently active linebacker contract, but the average annual value of this contract does come in a little bit higher than Bobby Wagner and CJ Mosley and the 19 million per year, a million clear of Bobby Wagner. However, CJ Mosley from the Jets got $43 million guaranteed. And I, I don't know that the Jets are feeling great about that deal in retrospect, but a very different player in Fred Warner. And some of the initial reaction around NFL Twitter is talking about linebacker value, Ryan. And whenever positional value conversations come up. There's some things that are obvious. You would rather have the best quarterback in the NFL than the best linebacker in the NFL. That I think we can all agree on everyone. Whoever you think the best quarterback is, let's just say it's Patrick Mahomes. We'd rather have Patrick Mahomes than Fred Warner. But despite the narrative around the average positional value of a linebacker, when you have the transcendent talent at a position, I think that that can make those positional value arguments look a little bit silly and Fred Warner could be one of those players because when you can do it all at linebacker, when you can cover him, when you can get after the passer as a blitzer, when you can defend the run, when you can do all three of those things extremely well, you can transform your defense a little bit. You can make it easier for your defensive play caller to get into advantageous matchups because you can do more 
reliably. And that's what the 49ers are betting on with Fred Warner. Well, and I think it's very apparent that you see why they're betting on him too, because it's not the um, very, very easy to draw a distinction between Mosley, uh, between the tackles, downhill player, whereas Fred Warner is the new age. Uh, you can see him in this next couple of seasons living up to this. A, a contract that a few years ago we would have been talking about a quarterback range for an average of 19 a year. This becomes the evolution of the game one more step because you can almost consider him as much a backward-playing linebacker as you can a downhill linebacker. And that is where the game is going today. It kind of multiplies what you can do with, say, a nickel package with a linebacker that can move like him. And it makes that kind of coverage-centric league that much more important to have a defender that can keep up. I think what we're going to be interested to see is the nice thing about Fred is that he can do it all, like you said. And I would say this shows you that you haven't seen a, a linebacker that can do as much since probably Luke Keekley here because that's the way they're compensating him. That's what they see for the future of the position and for Fred in San Francisco. A lot of hopes depend on the linebacker. And San Francisco certainly has a rich recent history of fantastic linebacker play. Fred Warner adding to that tradition. One real quick note before we move on. I found this really interesting. This is, I believe, from Brad Spielberger on PFF, pointing out the difference in the top linebacker contract and the top safety contract. This just a few years ago, six years ago, 2016, the top player at linebacker got paid a little bit less than the top player at safety, but it's virtually identical. Six years later, the top player at linebacker is getting paid 25% more per year than the top player at safety, which I can tell you without going too much further into positional value flies in the face of everything PFF believes in. So I'm sure that's one of the reasons they're pointing it out. But speaking of people pointing things out on Monday night football in the transition here into talking about the giants, the Manning brothers, Peyton and Eli will do an alternate broadcast on Monday night football for 10 games this year. And I just think that's going to be really cool. I'm very, very attracted to Peyton Manning and Eli Manning calling a game because you, you've seen Peyton Manning do details or maybe you haven't doing that detail series. Mm -hmm. And that was really cool to watch. And if they get any of that into the game, that'd be pretty cool. And Eli being more in the spotlight, doing more PR with the Giants, I think that he's ready to get in front of a camera and I'm excited for it. I, I think so, too. I mean, this is going to be, I think, competitive with the, the main broadcast. If it wasn't for Lewis Riddick being on that broadcast, I think they might be able to jump them. This is going to be star power at its best for what's going to be ESPN Plus and ESPN2, as I understand it. The interesting thing for me is it, it's labeled as being more casual. I want the X's and O's. I, I want the details that two MVP quarterbacks can bring to the broadcast. I don't know if we're going to get that. But I will tell you this, the entertainment aspect should be – uh, a little bit higher on that side of it, as long as they're not rapping or anything. I think everything's going to be all right. We'll, we'll see what happens after that. But uh, I, I think I might be going back and forth from those broadcasts. And just my cheesy um, dad humor nature, I want to see Cooper make an appearance every now and then. So we'll see if he makes it on um, with the former Giants quarterback. And the Giants, who are we talking about today? Uh, evidently, he's going to have a little bit of presence there around the facility as well. We're going to get Patricia Trainer and make sure we get all the details on the New York Giants coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to make all your sports action bets. Baseball season through the roof, NBA, NHL, obviously football, even UFC and MMA. Before the next contest, go to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device and check out all the sporting news, the odds, the bonuses, everything you need to place your action. 
Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. It's your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs at playoffs or even a brand new season. Head over to the website, use your device, and check it out today. You'll receive a 50% bonus on your deposit. That's 50% on top of what you deposit at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and use the promo code LOCKEDON. Let them know that we sent you over there. We're going to wrap up the Thursday NFL season previews with Patricia Trena from Locked On Giants. Today we preview the New York football Giants. And for the first time, Ryan, we're going to talk to somebody whose team that they cover does not have a C anywhere in the name. The New York Giants after the Carolina Panthers, of course, Carolina, the Dallas Cowboys, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Three, four teams, sorry, with C's in the names. Now we just have a team with a letter that kind of looks like a C when it's capitalized with the New York Giants. Patricia, welcome to Locked On NFL. How are you? I'm doing good, guys, but I have to correct you on something. The Giants' goal this year is playoffs or bust. In order to do that, they have to win the NFC championship. The NFC, I'm sorry, the NFC East <laughs> championship. So they've got to win that. They want to have that C at the end of their names by the end of the season if they can win the, the division. Don't we all? And for the Giants, I imagine a lot of that will fall on the shoulders of Daniel Jones. Let's start with the third-year quarterback. I think that most observers of the New York Giants would say that the quarterback play is a bit of an enigma, at least on the national level. I would say that he looks like he might be an average quarterback, and they invested in weapons for him. They draft Kadarius Toney with their first pick. They bring in Kenny Galladay as a huge money, multi-year free agent deal. And obviously there's Saquon Barkley, one of the better running backs in the NFL, a great set of skill players there. Evan Engram and Kyle Rudolph, a tight end, really good skill players around him. But what's the feel in New York this year? Is there a, a step expected from Daniel Jones or will he be an average quarterback in the NFL? They are expecting and they anticipate he will take a Josh Allen type of leap. Okay, he's got no more excuses regarding his skill makers, regarding the offensive line, although I'm I'm still a little queasy about the offensive line. I need to see it before I'm convinced that that unit is it has been resolved. But they have added playmakers. They feel that, you know, this is Daniel Jones' second se season in the same offense. That's going to help him play a little bit faster. So they feel that Daniel Jones um, if, if I had to put a percentage on it, I would say they were probably maybe 90% certain that Daniel Jones is capable of being this team's franchise quarterback for the next decade or so, but they still need to see that remaining 10%, which has, you know, between the turnovers, between the slow processing of plays, between the mistakes, it hasn't come yet. So they are looking for this kid to take a, a huge step forward. They, they've added some weapons for him. Galladay, right? Uh, Kyle Rudolph in the house now. Like I'm sure we'll talk about them. But I want to know from the staff's perspective, how are they facilitating that? Have they done any changes to try to give him more support from the staff, uh, an additional QB coach, like anything specific for him? Well, what they did was they tweaked their offensive staff. So Freddie Kitchens last year was the tight ends coach. He is now a senior offensive uh, assistant. And if you remember when Jason Garrett last year tested positive for COVID and had to miss a game and 
ironically, a game against the uh, Cleveland Browns, um, Freddie Kitchens called the plays. And Freddie Kitchens called the plays just a little bit differently, had a little bit different approach to mixing up the plays. And I think Joe Judge, in, in kind of following along and seeing what Freddie brought to the table, thought to himself, you know what, let me shift my my staff around, put Freddie as a, as a quote-unquote ass- assistant, um, senior assistant, and just get more voices in terms of the game plan to get, you know, Daniel on a page where he's doing more downfield passing, which is a strength, where now he's got guys who can take short passes and turn them into big gainers. You know, Tony is one such guy who can do that. So, yeah, they did do some tweaking of that. But otherwise, you know, it's the same quarterbacks coach. It's the same offensive coordinator, same system. They just added guys, you know, moved Freddie Kitchens over from tight ends to senior assistant to have another voice in the game plan. That's interesting. Generally, I would be a little concerned. Do you think an extra voice or more voices in general is good for a young quarterback like Jones? I don't know, to be honest with you. I would I would say there's pros and cons. The cons, of course, would be the more voices you have in your ear, the more conflict there can be. Because unless everybody sees everything the same way, which you know doesn't always happen, it could be a case of, okay, who do I believe? That said, if you are handling it properly, if you're saying to, you know, Jason Garrett, okay, you look at this part of the game and Freddie Kitchens, you look at that part of the game and uh, Jerry Shuplinski, who's the quarterback's coach, you look at this part of the game and you divide it up so that everybody has a little piece that they're concentrating on, then I think it can work. And I think that's what Joe Judge is trying to do. Joe Judge has one of the largest, if not the largest, assistant coaching staffs in the NFL. Yes, topping even Bruce Arians down at Tampa Bay, I believe. So um, I, I just think, you know, without having asked Joe about it, and I hope to ask him about it coming up um, in the next few days, I think that was the reason, just to kind of give everybody a little piece of the pie as opposed to forcing somebody to have a huge piece of the pie and, and maybe not being able to see everything that they need to do. Now, obviously, quarterback production is not entirely the responsibility of the quarterback, of the skilled players, of the coaches. It's a very team effort on offense. You're telling me that the Giants seem to be very confident. If the Giants are expecting a Josh Allen level leap from Daniel Jones, that would be something to behold, quite frankly, to me on the outsides. I, I do not have that ex- those expectations for Daniel Jones, especially in a Jason Garrett led offense. Patricia, what is your personal confidence level in the Giants facilitating this kind of transformation with Daniel Jones, a quarterback? It all comes down to the offensive line. I mean, you know, if you were to ask me who the what the weak link is on this team, I got to go with that O-line. And as we know, guys, you know, the quarterback is only going to be as good as his protection. If he's on his back on every other play, if he's running around for his life on every other play, He's not going to take much of a leap, is he? It won't matter who his skill position players are. It won't matter who the quarterback is. If if that offensive line does not hold up, you've got problems. And the Giants have uh, they they have invested in that offensive line last year. They feel good about that unit because they have worked together. You know, they're going to into year two having played together. I need to see it. You know, I I, th- I still have question marks, especially on the right side, where you have Matt Parrott at right tackle, a guy who wasn't horrible last year, but who kind of tailed off a little bit. You've got Will Hernandez making the switch from left guard 
to right guard, a position he has never played before. He's a, been a career left guard going back to, to his days in high school. So how comfortable is he going to be there? So that's where I'm concerned when it comes to Daniel Jones's um, taking that that big step. Is his offensive line going to allow him to do it? It seems like there are just significant questions across this offensive line. You go back to last year, Daniel Jones was the second most frequently pressured quarterback, according to Pro Football Focus, amongst all quarterbacks in the NFL that took at least you know a majority of their team snaps. The only quarterback pressured more than Daniel Jones in New York was Sam Darnold in New York. So those New York quarterbacks suffering from high, high rates of pressure, do you think that they've done enough on this offensive line, Patricia, to help Daniel Jones? Well, this year, they didn't really do much. I mean, they added uh, some depth. You know, Jonathan Harrison, they added Zach Fulton, who I understand the Texans didn't even want back. Um, but they didn't really do any major upgrades. I mean, they got they cut Kevin Zeitler, who was one of their best players. They are counting on the youth and the pedigree to really come together you know, they, they hired a new offensive line coach in Rob Sale. They brought in Pat Flaherty to be in this, um, a consultant. But, of course, Pat Flaherty was Tom Coughlin's offensive line coach back in the day and uh, yielded some pretty good offensive lines, I might add. So they're hoping all these factors will make that unit a better unit. Now, again, I need to see it. I will take their word for it because they have been working with these guys every day, whereas I've only seen a handful of practices that the media has been allowed into. But I need to see it in training camp with the pads on. And that's that's another thing. You know, they keep saying, oh, this line is better. Well, they haven't put the pads on yet. They haven't hit anybody yet. So how can you say that unless you're just going off of fundamentals and what you're teaching them in the classroom? I mean, maybe that's what they're going on. But, you know, that's only a small part of it, as you guys know. Well, it's interesting, too, because the guys that you mentioned, Hernandez, Fulton, both guys that I feel are better running the ball than they are pass protecting. Then you have Lemieux's draft pick, right? So at least at the guard spot, maybe you can protect Jones by going to the run game, getting behind them, and just putting your face in the pile and see what you get. But Barkley came out today. Saquon says he, he might not be ready for week one. How do you feel about their prospects if he's not? You know what? I, I've gone back and forth with this, and and here's what I'm going to say about Saquon Barkley. You know, everybody keeps asking him, "When are you going to be ready? When are you going to be ready?" He's going to be ready when he's ready. And this is, you know, people forget that he had reconstructive ACL surgery, not reparative. Reconstructive. There's a big, big difference. So those injuries, that type of surgery, generally takes a little bit longer to heal from. So that said, you know, if Barkley isn't ready for week one or week two. And I, I I think it's a real possibility, by the way, that he may not be fully ready for week one or week two. You got to remember something. It's a long season. You know, we've got 17 games now. They are anticipating that they'll be able to get to the playoffs. And sometimes, you, you know, if you have to kind of, I want to say throw a game in the beginning of the year, you know, but sometimes you're not really playing your best ball early in the year. So I think they can probably, um, I don't want to say tolerate losing because you never should tolerate losing, but if they lose a game early in the year because they don't have Saquon Barkley full, you know, I, I think that's a sacrifice they're willing to make as long as they get him back like by week three, week four, and have him playing his best ball as the team is actually starting to ramp up and play their better ball. 
Well, there's another side of the football that we haven't talked about at all. Ryan, I know you have a lot of interesting questions and talking points as we get into this New York Giants defense, and maybe they can help make up if Saquon Barkley isn't available at the beginning of the season. We'll flip and talk defense coming up next. The chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics versus us do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing their prices based on whims like the airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or an account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend twice the money for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com well, as, as folks who listen to the show will know that I'm excited to talk about the defense because that's what I want to get into. And there's a lot of talent on here that I think is going to be very interesting to watch come together. Um, I know that nobody plays base defense in this league anymore, but I just want to give a shout out to Reggie Ragland, a guy that I hope can turn his career around. I'm hopeful for him. But when you look at what this team's going to do week in, week out, I know there's strength in the middle of this defensive front. I'm more questioning what happens with the Georgia outside guys. You have Zizo Jolari, new acquisition, Lorenzo Carter. Are they both looking to start? Are they going to be the primary edges on this team? I think eventually they may be. You know, Ojolari, let's let's see how he looks against the run. You know, a lot of people look at the pass, pass rush production and they don't look at the run and, you know – Every coach will tell you, you got to stop the run. If you can't set the edge against a run, you're probably not going to be on the field every down. Lorenzo Carter has shown he can do that. He was starting to come on uh, as a pass rusher and just put it all together last year when he suffered that torn Achilles injury. Um, Ojulari is a kid they really, really like. They feel they got a really good value for when they got him. And remember, they traded down to get him. I think they got him. 50th overall, if I'm not mistaken, in the, in the second round. And he's a kid that they feel has a good quick step, quick first step, excuse me. Um, they think he can develop into an every down player. But uh, I think in the beginning, you're probably going to see him rotating. You're going to see all those guys rotating because, you know, the Giants, they really made an effort to bring on a lot of pass rushers this, this offseason. They brought in Ifedi Odenabo from uh, Minnesota. They brought in Ryan Anderson from Washington. Um, they've got Carter back. They've got Zimenez back from an injury. Ojulari's been added. Ellerson Smith, they drafted, in, I believe, in the fourth round. So they've got a lot of guys that they can, you know, bring down and play that, you know, outside linebacker spot. Now, you know, it's just a matter of how they're going to line them up and how many of them are – Patrick Graham going to get on the field at the same time. You look at the strength of this defense and it's obviously a handful of guys, namely James Bradbury turned out to be a really nice player last year for the Giants. Leonard Williams, who returns to New York, one of, if not the best players on this defense and the young guy, Dexter Lawrence, but Dalvin Tomlinson 
is no longer a New York giant. So do you feel good about the big guys up front? Are they going to be okay with losing Dalvin Tomlinson there? I'll tell you what, I hated to see Dalvin Tomlinson leave. Good guy, team captain, just a tremendous player. Very underrated, I thought. That said, they added Danny Shelton to the mix, a guy who was productive for the Patriots when he was after he got traded uh, from the Browns to the Patriots a few years ago. Um, in terms, if you look at his stats and his production against what Tomlinson did, I'm not going to say it's identical because it's not, but it's it's pretty much on the same in the same ballpark. So I think that went into the to the equation with you know easing the sting of losing Tomlinson. They also have uh, they brought back Austin Johnson, a guy who they had signed to a one year deal the year before, and they liked him enough to bring him back and give him a pay raise. They have B.J. Hill, who is a kind of forgotten guy. You know, ever since they've acquired Leonard Williams, B.J. Hill kind of faded into oblivion. Uh, so. They have guys there, and I think they feel good about what they have. Um, but you're right. It, it's it's a matter of how it's put together. And look, Patrick Graham has worked wonders with that defense. I mean, he's done things that a lot of us didn't think were possible with the pass rush. I mean, who amongst us thought the Giants were going to be a top 15 team in sacks last year? I know I, I certainly didn't think that. And they finished 12th, I think, in the league with 40 sacks overall, despite, by the way, having um, a revolving door at the edge rusher position due to injuries. So they do think they have the the talents. And, you know, you mentioned Dexter Lawrence, who if I had to pick an un, the most underrated guy on this team, that would be my pick. Doesn't get enough love, and he really should be getting a lot more love. And I think if Dexter Lawrence can start turning some of these pressures, I think he was third on the team in pressures last year. If he can start turning some of those into sacks, the Giants are really going to have something special up front there with him. I think that protects the second tier. And I, I think, honestly, uh, Martinez is underrated, in my opinion, in, in his ability, if protected by the front, to get things done. I know there's this is the Big Apple we're talking about, right? I'm still a little surprised they're not going to be on hard knocks, to tell you the truth. But are they in danger of becoming like Nashville East? Because when you look at the secondary – the acquisition of Dory Jackson paired with Logan Ryan, both former Titans. I like what they did when they were together previously. How are they looking right now? Right now, it's a little too soon to say because, you know, during the OTAs, they were all the, the, the defensive backs were all down in Florida training with Logan Ryan. So we only got to see them really for two practices um, when they came up for the, the, the mandatory mini camp. That said, let me just point something out. This is a, a, a factor, I think, that a lot of people don't take into consideration here. Who's the head coach of the Tennessee Titans? And what's his relationship to Joe Judge? Anybody know? <laughs> Former teammates, correct? Mr. No, they, for, Mike Vrabel, right. They work together on Bill Belichick's staff. So they kind of, I think, absorbed enough that Belichick thinking in terms of how to put together a team, what they look for in certain players at certain positions. And, you know, you mentioned, oh, is this going to become Nashville East? Why not? I mean, you know, you might see you might see the Titans maybe picking up guys from the Giants because, you know, th there's such similar coaching philosophies and, you know, they all kind of, you know, blend together a little bit. They're separate but different. So, um, but yeah, I think, the Giants defense is secondary right now 
is by far the strength of the team. You know, if you'd asked me two years ago what the strength was, I would have said in 2019 it was the defensive line. I would have said that last year. This year, I'm saying it's the defensive secondary. They can finally play man coverage, more man coverage, which is what they haven't been able to do. And I can't tell you how long. It's been a while. I suppose they're essentially counting on Adoree Jackson to return to his high-quality form in Tennessee before he dealt with whatever it is that he dealt with last year? That's that's the expectation. You know, look, you mentioned Logan Ryan and how they were teammates. Logan Ryan has been a godsend for this Giants team. You know, he just not only has he been good for them on the field, but off the field. He's a guy who has become like the big brother, an instant leader. And he has just been so worth every penny he's gotten. And Joe Judge really looks to him, as does Patrick Graham, to kind of, you know, be the lieutenant, if you will, in, uh, amongst that defense and in that locker room. So Adoree Jackson, when we did speak with him, he did speak about, you know, being committed to making it work here in New York. And, you know, now it's just time to shut up and do it, I guess. There, there's one player in particular that I, I kind of liked pre-draft. I know he hasn't had a ton of snaps. What's the situation with Xavier McKinney? What do you expect from him in this season? Well, Xavier McKinney, I'll be honest with you, last year when he broke his foot in training camp, I thought that was it. I didn't think we would see him as a rookie. So kudos to McKinney for staying involved. Kudos to the coaching staff for getting him some snaps because, you know, look, the Giants, their record last year wasn't very good. Even though they were still in the NFC East, last year was kind of a throwaway year, even though they won't admit that. But it, it was. It was a getting-to-know-you type of deal, a feeling-out process for the coach and the players. So now they have a little idea what McKinney can do. And so now they're going to take that and they're going to build on it rather than have him start from scratch like this is his rookie year all over again. And again, that's where the continuity comes into play. It's the second year in the same defensive system. You know, they like what they saw from him. He's versatile. He can play down in the box. He can play in the slot. He can, you know, play in coverage if you need him to. He can be that star linebacker, you know, that pseudo linebacker safety um, if you need him to do that. So just a lot of versatility. And that's what they really, if, if you look at all their players on defense, that's the key word. That's the common denominator, versatile. And Xavier McKinney is no different. And I think he's going to be a really welcome addition to that defense. Well, I hope you all have learned something about the New York Giants. I certainly have. The strength of the New York Giants being the secondary before today wasn't a thought that was really in my head. But Patricia, who covers the Giants every day over on Locked on Giants, is here to teach us. And that's why we ran this really great series training camp just around the corner, though. And Ryan and I will have you covered on Thursdays every step of the way. Tomorrow, Chris and Q have you covered with the other New York football team, the New York Jets. Until next Thursday, thanks for listening and have a good one.